All right. If you have Bibles with you, uh, please um, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> I can hear them out there. <laughs> All right. So I'm teaching a new series of messages. I'm, I'm four messages in to what's probably going to be a, an extended series. I'm teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. And today will be the, the fourth in the, in the series. I began by laying a foundation uh, for this series asking three questions. Um, who, why, and what? Who was Paul writing to? Why was he writing to them? And what does it mean for us? Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. He was, he was writing to the church there, a spirit-filled church engulfed in a pagan culture. Um, why was he writing to them? For correction and instruction. And uh, specifically in chapter 12, he was giving instruction about spiritual gifts. And he told us five things, five bits of instructions in that chapter. Just quickly, he doesn't want us to be ignorant concerning the gifts of the Spirit, that the one true and same God is the only source of these gifts, that there is a diversity of gifts given by the same God as he determines, um, that, number four, the gifts are given for the common good of the community, and that the gifts are interdependent on one another, just like the parts of a body are dependent upon one another. So what does that mean for us here as Charlottetown Community Church in the year 2013? Well, I think it means that we too ought not be ignorant concerning the gifts. We should be knowledgeable about them. And that if the gifts operated in the first century church, that they ought to operate now. Um, personally, I think you've got to do some pretty uh, wicked theological gymnastics to argue that the gifts aren't in operation today. You've got to do backflips and turns and twists. They're, the gifts are for today. In, in Corinthians, there was no argument about whether or not the gifts should work. Of course they should be in operation. He was given instruction on how. And I think how else does it apply to us? Let's figure out life-giving ways, the most life-giving way possible for us to do this with, with maturity and with love. I think we can do that. My second on the message, I continue to lay a foundation, gave lots of scripture verses to, to, um, to back up all these points. But basically I said, hey, we ought to continue the ministry of Jesus. We're to do what he did. Um, and what he did was reveal the Father. He reconciled man to God, and he undid the works of the devil. He did this by the power of the Holy Spirit and by dependence on the Father. That's the same way we do what he did, by the power of the Holy Spirit and by dependence upon the Father. And specifically, just to put something tangible to that, it's the gifts of the Spirit. That's how we do this. I told you that spiritual gifts are manifestations of the Spirit that communicate and demonstrate. It's the proclamation and the demonstration of the gospel. And spiritual gifts are the manifestation of the Spirit that communicate and demonstrate both God's love and God's power. Um, last week, we began looking at an each individual gift, and that's how the rest of this series will go. I'll take a week, we'll look at one of the gifts mentioned in Scripture. And um, uh, so last week we looked at uh, the word of wisdom. Um, I'm kind of going to break the, the gifts down into different categories. The first category is this, um, the gifts of discernment or the eyes of God, just using the biblical metaphor of a human body. So we look, we're going to begin looking at wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. Last week was wisdom. This week will be knowledge. And for each, we'll, 
this is what we'll do. I'll define the gift. I'll tell you what its purpose is. I'll give some um, definition on, on how it works, you know, the how-to of it. And then we'll give biblical models of, it, of the gift being used in Scripture. Um, and so last week, we did just that for wisdom. I told you that uh, a word of wisdom grasps together from God's perspective the what, the why, and the when, and properly applies the how. Uh, that its purpose, the purpose of the word of wisdom, is problem-solving, counseling, and teaching. And I told you how it works. Often in the moment that we perceive um, in a revelatory way what is being said or done from God's perspective. Um, and when we share it, when we share this word of wisdom that we receive in a revelatory way, it brings help, understanding, resolution, or relief to the listener. And then we looked at some biblical models. First Kings uh, chapter 3 with King Solomon and he's going two women. They had fighting over whose baby it was. He said, cut it in half. That was a word of wisdom. And the real mother said, no, <laughs> let the baby live. Give it to the other woman. Then he returned the baby to, his, to its rightful mother. That was word of wisdom in action. We looked at Jesus, at the issue of uh, paying taxes. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what's God. That's a word of wisdom. We looked in Acts of the Apostles when there was this huge debate going on, theological debate. Hey, um, these Gentiles who are coming into this new thing, the way, this, this new expression, this new thing that Jesus did, do they have to follow the uh, Mosaic law? Did they have to follow a Hebrew t tradition? And, and there were Pharisees in the midst that were arguing, yes, that this was required. And there were, there were new converts, Gentiles, who were saying, no, look, guys, the issue was circumcision. I could understand their residents and that they didn't want to go there. James, was after they had a big meeting about this. This was a big deal. James stepped in with wisdom. He says, let's not put on the Gentiles the burden that we couldn't carry and gave some simple instructions on how they should move forward. And the, and the fruit, the result was unity. That's the spiritual gift, the word of wisdom. Uh, in action. So that's quick review. Today we're going to look at the next gift in this section called uh, Word of Knowledge. Again, we'll define it, we'll explain its purpose, I'll talk about how it works, and then give you some biblical examples of Word of Knowledge. At the end, we're going to do it, we're going to practice it. We're going to have some ministry time where we get to practice, as John Wimber used to say, doing the stuff. All right? So if your Bibles are open to 1 Corinthians 12, Follow along as I begin reading. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit to another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, 
just as he wills. So Lord, I thank you for your word, for the truth that's in your word, for the power that's in your word. Let it have its full impact on us. Let it change us and make us to be more like Jesus. Amen? So why am I preaching this series? I'm preaching this series of messages because I want you to have an intimate relationship with God the Father. That's why I'm preaching this series. I'm not looking to raise up an army of people who are experts at the gifts of the Spirit. If that happens too, I'm fine with that. But that's not my purpose. My pur- why am I doing this? Because I want your personal relationship with God to be more intimate. Any healthy relationship has clear communication between the two parties. If it's parents and their children, if it's boyfriend and girlfriend, if it's spouses, if it's employers and employees. If there's better communication between the two parties, that's a healthier relationship. I'll tell you what, I'll bet you over my 20-some-odd years in ministry, when I look at the marriage counseling that I've done, the number one problem, far and away, is poor communication between the two parties. I have a passion inside of me to see you become more intimate with God. I want your relationship with him to be so healthy, so intimate, so clear, um, that you will be everything that he desires you to be. That you will be passionately in love with him all the days of your life. I'm thinking communication will help that. Most Christians I know believe in God. Some of them trust God. Very few have clear lines of communication between them. An ability to operate in the gifts of the Spirit help clarify communication between you and God. That's the number one reason why I'm doing this. I want your relationship with God to become more intimate and to become healthier. Why else am I doing this? I'm doing this because I am not content to live an academic and intellectual faith only. I appreciate the academics and the intellectual aspect that, um, that I've uh, gathered over the decades as I've walked with him, but I don't want to stop there. <laughs> I want it to be more than just an academic and, and intellectual exercise. I want to live a supernatural life in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what's available to us. That's what's promised to us. I don't want to settle for anything less, and I want to help you live supernatural lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why am I doing this? Why am I preaching this series? But because Scripture clearly and, and repeatedly calls us to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. It's, just, it's biblical, guys. And why else am I doing this? <laughs> because this is what God's given me, and it's what I have to give to you. So that's why I'm doing this. All right, on to word of knowledge. Definition. What is the word of knowledge? It's an utterance inspired by God and spoken by an individual. It's an utterance inspired by God and spoken by by a person. A word of knowledge shares factual truths that the Holy Spirit wants communicated concerning a specific occasion, circumstance, or situation. And with these factual truths, the practical application of God's love. That makes sense? In other words, the spiritual gift of word and knowledge is a spiritual revelation of knowledge. Okay? It's, it's not gained. It's not knowledge that's gained um, by natural means. It's not gained by research. 
It's not knowledge gained by observation. It's not knowledge gained by relationship, right? If I have a relationship with you and I knew, I know, either because of our relationship or somebody told me that um, you got a new job and I tell you, stand up, you got a new job. That's not revelation. That's just, that's just knowledge because of relationship, right? Revelation would be I have no information about your job, and I could say, hey, I think there's a great new job coming your way. I think God's just showing me that, and then it happens. That's revelation. That's word of knowledge. And so, again, word of knowledge um, is a spiritual gift um, of supernatural revelation and knowledge, not gained by natural means, not by research, observation, or relationship. It is a means of expressing divinely communicated revelation, inspiration, or information. It's a means of communicating and making application of God's love. Definition. I found another good definition. There's an author named Art Thomas. I haven't read his stuff, but all the people who wrote the little uh, endorsements on his cover, I know all those guys. I'm thinking, hey, this might be some pretty good stuff. I liked his definition for word of knowledge. Art Thomas says, in short, the gift of a word of knowledge takes place when the Holy Spirit takes from Christ's knowledge and makes it known to you. It is very simply a glimpse into the mind of Christ by which we share his knowing about a specific incident, thought, or intention. So there you go. There's three definitions for word of knowledge. Purpose. What's the purpose of this spiritual gift? Word of knowledge. With a word of knowledge, God reveals to invite. He reveals to invite. It reveals conditions. Sometimes they're physical or emotional or spiritual. Sometimes they're circumstantial. Um, or it reveals... Uh, Direction, understanding, and insight. The revelation invites us to receive from God. Uh, what God, listen, what God initiates, he initiates it by a word of knowledge. What he initiates, he gives grace for. Another way of saying it is God pays for what he orders. You order it, you pay for it. But if he orders it, he pays for it. The grace is there. The word of knowledge is his order. <clears throat> the application of the word of knowledge is his payment. The word of knowledge is his order. Its application is his payment. A word of knowledge shows us what God is doing, uh, and it indicates the direction in which God is working. Words of knowledge are faith builders. You come to church on a Sunday morning, you have a need that nobody knows about, and there's a word of knowledge given, it builds faith in you that that need can be met. You know, God knows I exist. He, uh, he knows about my circumstance. Enough to tell somebody else about it so I can get prayer today. It builds faith in people in a very practical way. So when God reveals something in this way, it's because he wants something done with the knowledge. He's not just giving the knowledge so that other people will know what you're going through but for the purpose that you can, you can get prayer, you can receive ministry in some way that, so that something can be done with the, the knowledge that's been revealed. It stirs faith both in the hearer and also in the one who communicates it. It stirs faith in both people. 
I tell you what, the first time you do this, or if it's new to you and you actually risk to say something, I think there's somebody here with on the blank, and somebody raises their hand and says, that's, that's me. That builds faith in you. Ooh, I got one right. You know, That kind of feels good. So it stirs faith in both the hearer and in the speaker. A word of knowledge is only the first step, and it's a first step that requires a response. So we looked at definition, we looked at purpose. How? How does this thing work? Well, basically we ask God and he tells us, or sometimes even without asking, he just tells us. The, the revelation is dropped in our lap. First is we ask God with our focus on the Lord. We ask, what, Lord? <laughs> Who, Lord? And he, he tells us, Lord, what are you doing? And there's some revelation. He'll speak to us. He'll communicate to us in one way or another. After asking, we listen for a reply. You know, that's how healthy communication works, right? We ask a question to someone, and then we wait for them to respond back to us. If we just keep talking over them, that's not really healthy communication. Both people have to speak. Both people have to be heard. And don't you know that God's always speaking? God is always speaking. It's kind of like the radio in your car. You guys remember the old school radios where you had to actually dial in? You didn't just push a button to get your preset station. I remember the old school ones. You had a, and it got staticky and, and on one side static on the other. And then, oh, you found that sweet spot. I think that's what it's like. I think, I think he's always broadcasting. I think he's always communicating to us. And sometimes, you know, I'm not tuned in. It, all I hear is shh. It's a static. It's all I hear. And then, then I overcompensate the other way, and still all I hear is a, a different version of static. But sometimes, usually through practice and trial and error, I go this way, I go that way a little bit. Ah, oh, now I can hear better. I can listen better. Read Lisa's great article in this week's newsletter. It's not that God is a poor communicator. The problem's not on his end. It's that we don't listen very well. Hey, men, it's like a lot of us husbands, right? We could all use to listen to our wives better, right? Nadine's tried to talk to me while I'm watching the Giants game, you know? Maybe on the fourth time around, I'll hear what her actual question is. She's speaking. The problem's not on her end. I'm not listening. That's what the deal is with the gifts of the Spirit. That's how word and knowledge works. He's talking. The problem isn't whether or not he's speaking. The problem is whether or not we're listening. we got to tune our radios in, all right? So, we ask, you know, Lord, what are you doing? And then we wait and we listen. We listen for what he tells us. And he may speak in a whole variety of different ways. And then sometimes God just tells us. The revelation just drops in our lap. Sometimes God will interrupt what I'm doing so that I could do what he's doing. I've got to stop what I'm doing. And sometimes I like what I'm doing. <laughs> Have you ever felt those, those subtle nudges from the Lord. I can, this happened to me more than once. So I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm at my desk. My hands are on the keyboard, and I'm working on something. This kind of feel like this little subtle spiritual nudge. And at that moment, I can, I can tune into him. <laughs> or like watching a football game, I could tune out of listening to him. And I've done both. But I can tell you the truth. The times when I've stopped what I'm doing to respond to his nudge and tune into him, it's been wonderful. Yeah, it's, it really has. It's just been great. And so because of that, I've learned 
to become a little bit more comfortable with stopping what I'm doing and to listen to what, what he's doing. It gets better with practice. It truly does. So sometimes he just drops revelation in our lap because he's God and he can do it. So what are the various ways? I'll just, I mean, there's more than I could, could describe, but just to give you know, some example. Let's say it was going to be here on a Sunday morning. So it may be that God gives me a picture in my mind's eye. I see a picture of someone's knee. And that's all the revelation I have. So we have ministry time. Anybody have a word of knowledge? I see a picture of someone's knee. Does that mean anything to anybody? Is that you? That's pretty general, right? But it's all I got, so I give what I got. Sometimes it's, it's more. It may be I see a word superimposed over a person or a particular part of their body. I'll look at them, and across their forehead, I see the word knee. And I was like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> Megan, I think there's a problem with your knee, because I see the word knee over your forehead. Are your knees okay? And you could tell me, oh, my knees are fine. Sorry, dude. Oh, anybody else here named Megan with a problem with their knee? <laughs> Nobody bats a thousand. Nobody, right? Um, so, and sometimes it's not just like a word. Sometimes it's like a digital kind of ticker tape thing where the words are just kind of going across their forehead. And maybe there's more information than just a body part. <clears throat> you know, or I might see, you know, I might see something on a person's knee. Maybe there's a, a word there. Sometimes it's a, a medical term. And I'm not real good at those, but sometimes that happens. Or I can see the word pain. Or I see the word broken. There's something indicating that there's a problem with the name. Sometimes I see um, a person's uh, body part highlighted or covered in darkness. Now, I might see it on this different ways that, that the gift actually works, okay? So I might see an individual in the room, and so say it's uh, Karina, and I'm looking at her knee. Oh, you do have an injury on your knee today. You fell. You fell? Oh, you poor dear. Oh, bless Karina, Lord, and heal her knee. Sometimes it's, it's like, you know, a part of their body is highlighted, like there's a spotlight on it. And I, and I realize, oh, there's, there's a problem with her knee. Or it's a dark spot on it, and that's an indication that, you know, something might be a problem with it. Or maybe I don't see it on the person. Maybe in my mind's eye, all I see is a knee, and it's kind of like it's glowing. Oh, the knee's the problem. Pay attention to the knee, Tom, right? I had a friend of mine back in West Virginia excellent physician. He was just an amazing doctor. But he also had prophetic gifts. And so a patient would come in and he's doing the intake, he's listening to what their problems are, you know, what they're complaining about, and as he looks at their bodies he says, I see these dark spots on different parts of their bodies and I know, because a doctor, he knows what all the organs are and what's going on, he, he understood that a dark spot over here meant that something was wrong in this area. And so he would, he would um, he put tests and he, he requests testing for whatever the problem they complained was, but he'd also add extra tests for the dark spots that he's seen. I can't tell you how many times he saved somebody's life, and they, and they come back to him and say, how did you catch this? Well, it was a great mix of his you know, excellent medical training and honing of spiritual gifts that worked really well in a very practical way. That's word of knowledge that helps save people's lives. I think that's pretty cool. <clears throat> so it could, you know, it could be a part highlighted or a dark shadow. 
we may hear the still small voice of God speak to us internally. Right? Just that little subtle impression from God. Someone here has an injured knee. Another way it can happen is that you might feel pain in your body. The way the word of knowledge comes is that your knee begins to hurt. And you realize, hey, I've never had trouble with my knee before. My knees are fine. Why? You know, when Tom says stand up, we're going to have ministry time, suddenly my right knee is aching me. Well, maybe it's not your knee. Maybe it's, that's a, another way of God's communicating a word of knowledge. And with it comes empathy. You can feel their pain. Wow, somebody has a very painful knee. It's in their right knee, and it's really hurting on the outside of the knee because that's where you feel the pain. And so you can communicate a word of knowledge that way. Physically, sometimes you know, the word of knowledge comes emotionally. You know, life is good. You know, your spouse loves you. Kids are doing great. You got money in the bank. It's a beautiful day. And we stand up for ministry time, and just, you know, this overwhelming sense of depression or discouragement comes over you. And you're thinking, where, where does this come from? Why am I feeling this way today? Well, maybe it's not you. Maybe what you're feeling is what someone else is feeling. And you could say, hey, is there someone here today who's really struggling uh, with, with discouragement? It feels like this overwhelming weight of heaviness on your heart. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's simply, we just simply feel the power of God come on us. It's alerting us to the fact that God wants to minister to someone, someone around you, someone who's present. We may sense uh, heat on our bodies. Sometimes a heaviness, a weightiness of the spirit comes on us. You can feel it on your shoulders. You can feel it on your head. Sometimes you can feel like a weight, um, the weightiness of it on your, on your chest. Sometimes it's a, a sense of heat or tingling in the palms of your hands. Now, not 100% of the time, but often I've seen over the years, you know, having, having done this hundreds of times, is that, um, that tingling sensation in the hands is often a sign that God wants you to pray for somebody else. Right? There's, there's anointing on your hands for laying hands on people. And so sometimes that's how it comes. And so it, like, it can come in various ways, and it can come in various degrees of clarity or specificity. Sometimes I have a sense that it's in the room. Someone in the room has an injured knee. Or I might have a sense um, of an area of the room that someone on this side of the room has an injured knee. Or I might have a sense for a specific individual. Someone here named Tom has an injured knee. That's a greater degree of clarity, right? So not only does somebody have an, an injured knee, but is there a Tom here that has a knee that's bothering them? Sometimes it may come with with a whole bunch of specific detail. Um, someone here named Tom on this side of the room has an injured knee from an old skiing accident, right? Now, if you get that much clarity, there might be one person in the room that has that. If it's that person, maybe they need it to be identified with that much clarity to give them the boldness, the courage, the faith to respond to the word. Because this I know. I've done this a lot of times. All right? We'll have our ministry time, and I'll ask, does anybody have a word? And some of the people who get it will come up and tell me they do. And then there'll be lots of other people in the room who get in touch with me throughout the week. All right, I had something, but I was too scared to say it. 
All right, that's okay. I understand. It's part of the process. And then there'll be other people in the room. It's like, oh, I know that they said somebody had an injured knee and they were sitting over here, and that was me. But ah, oh, I, I didn't want. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be the center of attention. And so I'm sorry. Or they'll come up after the service. You know, could you pray for me? I'm the guy with the knee. Would Would you pray for me? I understand all that. Sometimes it's a, it's hard for people. The more introverted people are, the, the more challenging. It, it stretches them, right? But I tell you what, it's good for all of us to, to risk, to actually um, give it a shot. And it's really helpful for the people who are risking, you know, hey, this is what I think God said to me, that if it's you <laughs> to respond to them, it'll encourage them uh, to continue on uh, in, in this experiment. So let me give you an example, a personal example. We, uh, this is a church I pastored in, in uh, Washington. I woke up one Sunday morning, and I have a, I have a scar on the, the inside of my left thigh um, from an injury uh, that I'd gotten 30 years earlier. My brother just got a new bike. It was the first time in any of the kids ever had a bike with handbrakes. My, I always had the, the bike with the banana seat, and if you wanted to brake, you, you push back on the pedal. So that was my bike. But Robert got a bike, and it was big. It was, it was like a, my toes could barely touch the ground, and he had handbrakes. And so he let me ride his bike. We had this big alleyway in the back of our house. So I'm riding. I'm going as fast as I can go. What else would you do? It's, it's a new bike. And we had a fence that was locked at the other end of the alley. And as I'm, I've, I've gone as fast as I could to that fence before and, and did my little sidewood you know, spin, thinking I'm on a big old holly, and I'm just fine. Well, <clears throat> I went to... Break like I normally would, but there's no brakes that way. It just went, bzzz, right? Boom, slammed right into that fence. Almost broke his bike, and almost like poetic justice, the handle on the brake just, just cuts right through my, my thigh. Probably needed stitches, but I don't know. I was a teenage boy. Rub a little dirt in it, you just keep on going, right? <laughs> I never got stitches. Well, it's 30 years later. I mean, after this thing healed, I never had a problem with it. So I wake up that Sunday morning, that scar is aching. And I'm thinking, what the heck is wrong with my leg? What could it possibly be three decades later that this scar is hurting? And actually, it's, it's bothering me. I'm kind of distracted through, through worship and the beginning part of the service because it's, the pain is not going away. I'm rubbing it and thinking, you know, what's going on? And then during the sermon, like, kind of like the light went on for me. I'm thinking, wow, I wonder if this is a word of knowledge. Now, because of all my study and dream interpretation and stuff, I understand metaphoric symbolism. I know that thighs sometimes can represent faith. I know that the left side of the body can speak about a person's destiny. And so I took a chance. I said, hey, is there anybody here that has a 30-year-old injury that's hindering your faith for your destiny? One guy in the church raised his hand, came down forward, I prayed for him, and my leg stopped hurting. It's never hurt me again since. I'm thinking, that was, that was a word of knowledge. That was a unique and creative way that God spoke to me for this guy's problem. And I learned, I learned a lesson in the process. So God's big. He's pretty creative. He can do things almost any way he wants to. That's just one example of how, unique example of how it's worked for me. Most of the time, the way it works for me, I get a picture in my mind's eye or I see something on a person, and that's how I have an indication of a word of knowledge of what God wants to do. Now, let me say this. Whatever we do, when we operate in the gift here, let love be your guide. All right? I think we have 
Luke 6, 31, right? The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So as you minister in the gifts, don't violate love. Don't do to someone else what you wouldn't want done to you. That, that's a pretty good standard, right? 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, love each other. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. So as you do this, as you experiment with using word of knowledge, don't uncover people. Don't, don't expose their sin. Sometimes God will give me revelation. He'll give me insight. He'll give me a word of knowledge. And the best that I can do with it is just intercede on another person's behalf. Right? So if I got a word of knowledge, you know, that there's somebody in the room who's having an affair. Can we pray for you? <laughs> right? They're probably not going to stand up, you know, for that. Especially if their spouse is sitting next to them. So if, if God gives that to me, um, I, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I don't know who the, I'm, to myself I'm going to pray. Lord, bless them. Set them free. You know, release, bring some release to this. Take what's wrong and make it right. John Wimber tells a story, a, a conference where in between sessions he went out into the hallway and he's just kind of like sitting on a bench. And this guy comes and sits down next to him. And as soon as the guy sits down, he gets a word of knowledge that he's about to go, it's a hotel, he's going to go upstairs uh, with a woman who's not his wife. And, um, and, Lord, and the Lord gave Wimber the, the woman's name. So he just, Wimber just turned to him and said, I don't know what her name was, he said, um, don't go upstairs with so-and-so. Guy about had a heart attack, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. How did you know that? Right? And, it, and it put him on a path to set things right. Now, Wimber did it privately. He didn't expose the guy publicly. And, you know, word of knowledge was in effect, you know, for that. So don't publicly, don't do the other people what you don't want them to do to you. Don't uncover them. Don't expose their sin. Sometimes the best you could do is use the revelation you get for the purpose of intercession. <coughs> it's really my default response. If I don't know what to do, if I don't know what action to take, if I can't figure out a, a life-giving way to communicate the revelation I've received, then I'll just privately pray. You know, Lord, whoever this is, you know, help them, heal them <coughs> you know, in their situation. Sometimes we can share a word creatively that both honors the person, their dignity, and protects their privacy. It comes with a little bit more practice. We just be tactful. But as we do this, as we experiment with the gifts, remember the guidelines of 1 Corinthians 14.3 for prophetic ministry. And this is part of prophetic ministry. It says, but for the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, their encouraging, and their comfort. That's the purpose of revelatory gifts. That's the purpose of the of word of knowledge, that one way or another, that the hearer, the recipient, would be strengthened, encouraged, or comforted. If the result of you sharing is that they're weakened, discomforting, if it's weakening, discomforting, or discouraging, then please don't share it. Right? Just please don't do it. We want to have a, an atmosphere where, where our safety net is love. And so one of the ways that we 
that we support that safety net is that if it's weakening, discomforting, or discouraging, then our standard here is that we're not going to share it. We're certainly not going to share it publicly. Now, sometimes you may get something and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Well, come to me. Tell me about it. Some, if there's space, tell me in the service. Well, other ministries going on or afterwards. Say, hey, Tom, I had this experience. This is what I think I heard. I didn't know what to do with it. We can talk about it. And because I have a little bit more experience, I might be able to give you some, some tips on how to effectively uh, use that revelation um, next time. And so it can be a good learning experience for us. So prophetic ministry is communicating uh, God's mind or God's words. We need to become better at not only communicating his words, but that we communicate it with his heart. We need to communicate the revelation that he would give us with his heart attached to it. We need to do it in love. We need to do right things right. I've seen lots of prophetic ministry over the years where, where people did right things wrong. They got good revelation. They just did wrong things with it. And instead of people being comforted, encouraged, and strengthened, they were wounded in the process. Let's mature. Let's take a step forward. Let's step up to a higher level. Let's do right things right. I think right things right is that we share the revelation God gives us and we do it in love. That's how I see doing right things right. Let's, let's get better at this. Because I'm convinced that if we share God's word without his heart, if we share accurate revelation but don't do it in love, then we're not sharing, then we're not sharing what God gave us. Let me say it another way. If it's not loving, it's not God. Maybe that'll be my next tattoo, babe. If it's not loving, <laughs> it's not God. Let's do it in love. And if we can't do it in love, then let's refrain from doing it until we can figure out how to do it in love. Does that make sense? Does that sound right to you? Does that work? Does that, does that sound like God? Does that sound like his heart? Does that sound like how his spirit would actually work in the church today? It does to me. Okay. So we've uh, definition, purpose, and we've, we've looked at um, some practical how-to. This is the word of knowledge actually operates. Let me give you some biblical examples of word of knowledge. Um, the first is from Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus um, reveals thoughts. He knows what other people are thinking. Matthew 9, verse 1, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his, own, to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man laying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Verse 4 says this, Knowing their thoughts. Knowing their thoughts, that's the gift of word of knowledge. He had knowledge of their thoughts. Having a word of knowledge, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and he went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God. 
uh, who had given such authority to men. So Jesus had knowledge. There was a word of knowledge. The word of knowledge was this. Jesus looked at this man who's injured, and he knew that the problem was that he had unforgiven sin in his life. That was the root cause of his sickness. So Jesus looked at him with that word of knowledge and says, your sins are forgiven. Oh, that messed up the religious folk in the room. And he said to them, why do you have an issue with this? He knew their thoughts. It wasn't like they vocalized it. They didn't say something to him. He knew the thoughts of their heart. Let me tell you, as a prophetic person, that's sometimes as much a burden as it is a blessing to know what other people are thinking and feeling. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and he called them on it. What was the end result of this? The man was healed. He, he took his mat. He went home well. Now, gifts of healing were working here as well, but that was word of knowledge. Word of knowledge was given, and then Jesus ministered healing to the person. Hey, another great example of word of knowledge is when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. It's really all of John chapter 4, but let me just, for the sake of time, you don't have to hear me read the whole chapter, let me just take some sections of it. I encourage you, go and read the chapter for yourself. But another example of word of knowledge um, operating, verses 1 to 4 of John 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Uh, he was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. That's a word of knowledge. The man was sick, and he was, he was really sick. We obviously realized not only was he sick, he was dying. He, there was a sickness where he was, he would have been in the ICU over at the hospital. He's sick. And Jesus said, this will not end in death. That's, that's a word of knowledge. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Further on in verse 23, Jesus, you know, Jesus stayed away for days. Lazarus dies. He comes and he, he sees Martha and Mary. Both of them say to him, hey, Jesus, if you were here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Verse 23, Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise again. He's saying, hey, your, your brother's about to be risen from the dead. That's a word of knowledge. It was so out of the norm of what Martha and Mary expected that they just, they just made an intellectual, theological application to Jesus' statement that your brother will rise again. And they thought, oh, when we all rise at the end. He's like, no. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking, he's going to rise again. He's going to rise again now. I'm paraphrasing. And we see in verses 41 to 44 that Jesus backed up what he said. He had two words of knowledge, and then this is what happened. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, knew, I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the behalf of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet, 
wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus said he would rise again, and he rose again. First there was a word of knowledge, and then there was, a, there was an act of power. Do you see a little bit of a pattern here? The word of knowledge comes first, then ministry happens, and something changes. Right? Give a couple more examples. Jesus heals the sick. This is from Luke 5, verses 17 uh, to 26. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Why is that sentence there? Why does it say, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick? Because there are times when the gifts of the Spirit are manifested, and then there are times when the gifts of the Spirit aren't manifested. Does that mean that we have more of Jesus and less of Jesus at any time? That we're Brian and I had a conversation we met the other day. We had a really good talk about this. Is there, are there times when we are more filled with the Spirit and less filled with the Spirit? No, I don't think that's the case. I said, hey, Nadine and I are married. We're one. We're one flesh. And there are times when we're in the same house, but I'm in one room and she's in the other room. Right? We're still married. We're just not in the same room together. There's a, there's a lessening degree of intimacy. And then that night we go to bed, and I can reach out my hand and touch her. We're closer at that time. There's contact. I think that's what it's like with the Holy Spirit. I think we're always one with him. I think he lives within us, that Christ dwells within our hearts, Scripture says. I think, I think we're filled with the Spirit. I think there are times where there's, what's the word, manifestation. There's activation, where the gifts are operating or they're not. And let me tell you, that's a good thing, especially your revelatory gifts. You don't want to have uh, revelatory insight on everything that's going on all the time. It would drive you crazy. There are times, I don't say this to brag, but just to, just to give you an example, there are times where my sensitivity to the Spirit is really heightened. Like we'll come out of a church service, and he wants to stop at, um, at a Walmart on the way home to pick up something. I'll go in the store with her. And, and because the ministry time was intense and my, my sensitivity to the spirit is heightened, I can't stay in the store. Because there's a lady three hours over whose heart is broken because of you know, the condition of a marriage. And there's another guy down here who's really struggling with addiction. And there's a woman over here who's wondering how she's going to pay for the groceries when she gets up to the, to the line. And I feel their pain in such an intense degree that I have to leave the store. And so I think that's what it means, that the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. There are times where it's intense. And thank you, Jesus, there are times where it's less intense. You don't want to be at 30,000 feet in an airplane and have your, your revelatory senses at a heightened degree for five hours as you're flying across the country. Somehow you need to be able to dial it down or it would make you nuts. So, back to the text. And the power of the Lord is with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. This sounds like the other text. 
The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, uh, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So another version of the same example I gave earlier. One more example. This is an Old Testament example of word of knowledge. And then we'll do some ministry together. So word of knowledge is used in this context to choose a leader. It's the, an encounter between the prophet Saul and, uh, excuse me, the prophet Samuel and King Saul from 1 Samuel 9, 15 to 20. Scripture says, now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, this is the word of knowledge, verse 16, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them, he will deliver them from your hand, from the hand, excuse me, he will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. That's the word of knowledge. Scripture goes on to say, I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. Verse 17, when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, another word of knowledge, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the place, to the high place, for today... You are to eat with me, and in the morning I will send you on your way, and I will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, another word of knowledge, do not worry about them. They have been found, and to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line. Right? So God wants to choose a king, a leader for Israel. How does he do it? He gives a prophet word of knowledge. He gives him information he no other way could have. He tells him who. He tells him where they're going to meet and when. And not only that, he tells him, hey, those donkeys that you've been concerned about, that's taken care of too. That's how word of knowledge works. Okay, so, so we know that words of knowledge can work in various ways. Revealing thoughts, raising the dead, healing the sick, choosing a king. So next week, what we'll do is we'll take a look at the sermon of spirits. That sound good? Okay, let's stand and um, we'll have some ministry time. <clears throat>